0: Hello and welcome to Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And we're talking about Disobedience today, which is a romantic drama set in North London, set in the North London Orthodox Jewish community. Mm. Uh, I didn't know anything about this, I don't think. Um, <clears throat> so um, when the film opens on a. Uh, sort of a, a lecture or a dissertation being given by an elderly rabbi, I thought, this is interesting. Is it going to be sort of, I don't know, is it is it only going to be Jewish just now and then it'll move on to something else and that's kind of introducing a kind of overarching mm. idea or, or kind of thematic framework? But no, actually, it's, um, it's kind of Jewish all the way through. And as a Jew uh, myself, as an English Jew myself, um, part of the uh, enjoyment of the film, at least for the first half or so, was in seeing so many things that I recognized being represented. Oh, that's interesting. Um, which was quite good fun. I think a, a something that you said in the in the podcast on shoplifters which was Japanese is that when you see a film that's about a, a different culture, part of the enjoyment is just seeing what do they eat? How do mm-hmm. they live? How do they do this that and the other? Like that's that that's just it's interesting. Yes. Um and then, t- kind of taken from another side, uh, it's interesting to see something that is not normally represented but that you recognise yes. being represented uh, and you feel kind of quite faithfully. Yes. Um, so, I mean, there are elements that, that don't match up to what my experience of being Jewish is, but nonetheless it's, it's very interesting to see. I particularly enjoyed when they say Shabbos instead of Shabbat. You know, right. Shabbat is kind of the way that you would read it off a piece of paper, but if you're, if you're Jewish, uh-huh. then you kind of... Um, you learn to pronounce it Shabbos. That's how everyone says it. Right. That's kind of, it's. that's just very nice to sort of see represented. Right. So, um, so I enjoyed that.
1: You enjoyed that aspect of the film or the film altogether?
0: Um, I did, uh, I had issues with the film, but um, uh, I think as I've said before, a happy ending kind of uh, affects your view of the entire thing and I was very moved at the end. And so that colours the way I saw the rest of it. But I do... I I was never bored, but I did think at a lot of points, this is quite banal.
1: Oh, I didn't think that for a minute. Really? Yes, I loved it from the beginning. And actually, I couldn't understand my own reaction because I was almost on the verge of tears throughout. Like, it, it deeply moved me. Really? Yes. Okay. I kind of... Um, you know, you instantly... And I guess maybe it kind of, it resonates in a personal way, but, um, the, so the story is basically... spoilers will be coming up. Yes. Um,
0: it's, it's, there are plot developments that are easy to spoil and we're going to talk about them right away. So it's very much worth seeing as blank as possible, but we're going to get into spoiler territory.
1: This rabbi, this very important, uh, scholar of the Torah dies and his daughter is told to go back to London. It turns out that she actually wasn't even warned that he was ill. Uh, we, find out, we found out subsequently that it's uh, the, this other rabbi's wife who uh, warned her that he was dead. So she went as a dutiful daughter to honor her father. And then kind of finds out that he's disinherited her. Um, and then we find out that she'd had a childhood crush with uh, the girl who is now married to the boy that she grew up with who was her father's disciple.
0: Right, so the women are played by... Rachel Weiss is the the rabbi's daughter who uh, lives in New York and comes back. Um, Rachel McAdams plays Esty, who is uh, the girl that she grew up with, Um, and the uh, husband and student of the rabbi is um, David played by Alessandro Nivola?
1: That's right. So basically, what we get to see is that this this trio of characters had grown up together, right? And there's deep feelings amongst all of them. And actually, you sense that from the very beginning. I mean, I initially thought, you know, that uh, what's his name, the David, Dovid was her brother, right? So right. Kind of, you know, but clearly, what you have is somebody who's been cast out, right? From her community, mm. and who kind of returns, and who is kind of greeted begrudgingly. So everybody, you know, says the right things. Everybody's polite, but everybody's also at a distance, and everybody kind of keeps her away. So, so I think kind of, you know, the situation alone. Imagine kind of finding out that your father's dead. You know that you arrive. You're the only daughter. You arrive. And then kind of you're treated as if you don't belong there and everybody's mm-hmm. trying to pretend that, you know, kind of he didn't have a daughter. I mean, just, just from that very beginning, I kind of, I was so moved. And, you know, the, the kind of the culture clashes between kind of the world that she's coming from and the world that she's going into. And then the slow revelation of kind of these, re- these relationships that mm-hmm. seem to kind of deepen at each instance. I mean, the beautiful thing about this film is that nothing is simple right? Like kind of, you know, things resonate. I can't think of a single, like unsympathetic character really, right? Like kind of,
0: no, not entirely. Maybe the uncle, um, he's not entirely unsympathetic, but he is, he, he is, um, the least sympathetic, but he's, he's concerned for, um, I guess the sort of, um, stability of the community, but there's, there is, there's a story of kind of societal pressure, um, uh, stopping these two women from being able to express their love for each other, which is what it is. It's not just a crush; they love each other. Yes, and um, and he is a significant. He's a kind of he's a keystone in that societal pressure keeping yes. them apart. I think
1: part of the complications of the film is so you know uh, Rachel McAdams and Rachel Vice as teenagers had an affair and they were caught in bed by. Rachel Weiss's father that's kind of mm. you know what's what's what sparked or what unraveled kind of certain things so um, but there's a, there's a very interesting connotations that uh, uh, Rachel Vice's sexual preferences are much more fluid than actually Rachel McAdams who subsequently married David uh, but who nonetheless you know identifies very fully as a lesbian yeah. and as a lesbian who has kind of you know shut herself off from her feelings and desires yeah yet nonetheless has a hankering and a love for rachel bison in fact is responsible for bringing her back into london
0: yeah well actually w- what i kind of saw in rachel McAdams was not it's true that she has kind of uh, she does appear to have kind of shut herself off as you say sexually um but um but also it seemed to be like um she wasn't even interested in other women almost Like, it was really. Like, for her, it seemed to just be about Rachel Vice's character. Um, All of her kind of emotional sort of. um, uh, I don't know, like, accessibility or whatever, kind of came through that. Whereas Rachel Vice is like. She had had. They they discussed it. She'd had the kind of odd, sort of, vague dalliance with other women in New York, but. Yeah. Nothing that. Nothing that um, was kind of satisfying or or compared to her love for Rachel McAdams' character. There is a difference. And. It's funny with Rachel McAdams' character because... So Rachel Weiss is Jewish. um, And Rachel McAdams is not. And um, I think knowing that kind of influenced the way I saw the character a little bit. And I think it's also because right at the start of the film, um, when she goes to the house where they're they're having the... um, I forget the word for it. um, Shiver. Shiver. And they go to the shiver and and everyone's there... um, uh, sort of paying their respects and, and mourning, um, and everyone says, "You know, I wish you long life," yes. which is what you say um, to to a Jewish person who's been bereaved. So you, you meet Rachel McCann's character, and initially, I thought, "Okay, well, I'm not convinced of her. I'm not because of just because of the actress. I'm not convinced of her as a Jewish person." And there's this, there's also this thing about her being very from one of the characters makes mention, or you've become very from uh, Rachel Weiss says that from meaning. Uh, very orthodox, very observant, mm. right? In the way you in, and you see it in the way she dresses and so mm. on. And so I thought maybe she, I thought maybe she she actually was a, a, a Jewish convert, mm. um, and and that you know she would be kind of so overdoing uh, the kind of performance of being Jewish mm. for that reason. As it turns out, that's not the case. She is supposed to have been uh, grown up Jewish like everyone else. Um, but there is. There is a kind of costuming in Rachel McAdams' character all the way through, where she, I don't. I think the fact that I never quite believed her as Jewish because of the actor is not such a bad thing, because I never quite believed anything that the character was doing, because she's she's controlling herself always and and putting forward an image of herself mm. that isn't quite true. Mm. And it's towards the end of the film when she starts to become more emotionally available and open herself up that. Yeah, that's when I started to find her quite moving hmm. and, and and you know kind of believe in her more and that sort of thing
1: I mean it's hard for anyone next to Rachel Vice to make the impact that they would normally do because Rachel Vice, A she's so beautiful I mean she is gobsmackingly beautiful you know kind of just looking at her is a pleasure and also she's so intelligent right you know and it, it, that's kind of like an odd combination and maybe because she's so intelligent, her face also evokes a kind of sadness, you know? I mean, it's almost like kind of knowing the world is to be sad about the world. <laughs> yeah, to me, she always evokes kind of, you know, someone who knows about the world, who's kind of knowing mm-hmm. and sad about it, actually. She's like a, a kind of a walking wound. And so um, I think anybody who's next to her just
0: you know, I'll yeah. I, I was, but I, I didn't mean any criticism of Rachel McCann's performance when I said that. I was no, talking, no, I like her very much. I was talking well. about the way that the character came across to me yes. and going what informed that. But I think Rachel McCann is, is extremely good in this. Yes, and I, I think actually the, the performances are easily the best thing about the film. Um, and what you're you always talking, or at least recently, you're always talking about people being emotionally transparent. Yes, there's there's just this film is full. Of emotional transparency, you read everything in these characters' faces and gestures, and the way they look at each other. Mm. There's all these looks, particularly when they go to um, uh, when they go to Rachel Vice's father's house um, to kind of look through the possessions, and it's it's Vice and McAdams, and Rachel McAdams is looking at her, and there's just these shots of her. Rachel Vice Rachel goes off, and Rachel McAdams stands back watching her, mm. and there's just this just this kind of longing and mystery in her eyes yeah I think it's
1: beautiful it is it is beautiful I think the whole film is beautiful and actually you know it really had me on the edge of tears throughout you know it was and part of it is because I think you have the whole community everyone in it is in their own terms nice or at least trying to do the right thing everyone's trying to do the right thing and everyone's trying to be ethical and behave well and behave with honor you know which is a word that's kind of used in the film quite a lot yeah that, right I
0: picked up on the word honor as well
1: um, and kind of life gets in the way and conflicting desires get in the way you know and kind of life makes it difficult mm. you know, to be honorable but it's in that kind of space you know between the the attempt to be honorable the need to be honorable, the desire to be honorable and then, kind of the curveballs that life throws at you, <laughs> yeah. That I think so much of the film's power resides, actually, because it it doesn't give anyone an easy out. You know, mm. um, I was very touched by the husband as well. You know, in what way? Well, because he is an example of that. He is a thinking man. He's an intellectual. Mm. You know, he thinks about these issues, right? That's kind of you like, know. That
0: is the Jewish thing. That's what. That a, is a, a what a student scholar and a rabbi does. Yeah. That's right. You know, I, so. I do agree. I think that the film threatens late on to turn him into a bastard um, when Rachel McAdams is uh, opening up to him, uh, saying, "You yeah, know, I've always felt this way," mm. and and sort of, sort of saying, "This has been a bit of a charade," and I want. Uh, she says, "I want my freedom." At one point, um, it, it his voice you know, raises and becomes quite stern. And the film threatens to turn him into a sort of... There's a
1: moment where it could turn violent, isn't yes, there? Yes, exactly. You know? And actually, there's uh, a point
0: where he says... It's it's the argument in the kitchen when the voices get raised and he says, um, do you want to get hurt again? What he means there is, do you her. want to get emotionally hurt again by opening yourself up and then having Rachel Vice leave
1: again? Yeah.
0: But for a split second, you think... Is he talking about physical violence? Yes. At least I did, just okay. for a split second. I, I um,
1: didn't. I didn't. I didn't interpret it that way. Coming from him, I didn't. But there was an explosion as, of kind of. But there wasn't. An an y- yeah. And so. actually, to be fair, you know, her sexual re-encounter with uh, um, Rachel Vice. Rachel Vice is destroying his life, right? Yes, exactly. You know, so his social position, his new job, uh, his status in the community, you know, his house, potentially, Mm. you know, kind of... So, uh, you know, even before you're told that he is a father-to-be, that she is carrying his child now, Rachel McAdams, you know, you know that, um, you know, her uh, uh, request for freedom from him is a great sacrifice because it will ruin his life or it will ruin all the plans he's built up for his life anyway.
0: Sacrifice is exactly the word because when he gives up the job he's going he's going to become the new rabbi. Um and it's quite clear it, it's it's um it's never said explicitly but it is quite clear that the two of them splitting up will mean that the rabbi thing isn't going to happen for him. Hmm. Um the community is just too kind of tight knit for that to happen. Yes. And um and conservative two, two kind of, yeah exactly two conservative that's the word um and he's on the bimmer and it's when he should be accepting this this position and that's when he says it, it's sort of in code because no one else understands it but it is directly to Rachel McAdams you are free yes. he says uh, and then he and he says i can't accept this position and he leaves mm. and um that for me that whole maybe not that scene exactly but then it's the embrace afterwards And he invites Rachel Vice into the embrace. That That was was the most moving thing for me in the film. And And it's his sacrifice.
1: Actually, I think the whole film is beautiful. Because, you see, from the very beginning... So the film opens up on this discussion of freedom and choice. Yeah, the kind of the freedom to disobey. I mean, I didn't register every word of it and actually I'd like to see that bit again. But that's what it was about, right? It was it was Rachel Weiss's father the day before he died or the day of his the death. The day he dies. Yeah, kind of giving the speech to the community in, at the synagogue about, you know, the importance of disobedience, the fact that people have choice.
0: He's talking about the creation and he says God created the angels
1: and the beasts
0: and man. And man is the only one who has the free will to disobey. We have free will. That's where, that's the central thing. That's
1: right. Okay, so you have free will, you have choice, you can disobey. And actually, the two, so the, so the beginning is then bounded by this moment of reassertion of choice, which is when David kind of offers his wife her freedom in the synagogue in front of their community, which is very, very close to the end. Right, So you have these two moments of disquisition on disobedience, freedom, and choice, which actually are really bounded by these women's oppression and exile and kind of, you know, kept at bay from this community that is very kind of, you know, in many ways clearly regulated by men, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, so kind of... Um, and I, and I think it's very important that, the you know, that this is laid out, that the, you know, kind of the freedom to choose and so on is kind of laid out. But at the same time, boundaried by these two disquisitions on choice are actually kind of moments in which you see how the community entraps, slightly courses, you know. So in some ways it comforts and it makes easy. In other ways it kind of, it prevents choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and I was very kind of glad both to see that, but also to see that the film went beyond that. Yes. right. You know, and I think this is why the film is so great, you know, because it kind of dramatic, dramatically conveys, you know, all of these complexities in a way that makes them kind of legible, not only emotionally, which I, I found they very much are, but actually kind of, you know, connotatively as well. It kind of... Uh, and dramatically, yeah, yeah, kind
0: of. Yes, okay. I agree with you. Okay, well, um, you know, I didn't think you would disagree, but no, I no, no, no. But I had nothing to add really. Um, problems that I had with the film: uh, I think the look of the film is actually appropriate, but I didn't like it. Um, it felt it felt quite visually dull. So, well, certainly the color palette is. But actually, it, the reason that it feels appropriate is, I guess, it feels kind of Jewish in that um, you don't tend to get a lot of adornment in, in Judaism. You know, kind of in synagogues and things, you don't tend to get kind of uh, filthy lucre of gold and thing hanging. From, maybe on the on the um, on the Torah scrolls and that sort of thing, you, you get the kind of as um, they are. They can be kind of done up quite quite mm-hmm. nicely, but for most part, you don't kind of get these kind of uh, great extraordinary. Kind of uh, gilded the cathedrals in Judas mm. and that sort of thing, um, and and indeed, kind of being quite from that sort of thing. I mean, when you see Rachel McCann's character at the start, and they talk about her being from that's associated with wearing just the dowdiest yes. <laughs> you know, sort of uh, sort of clothes, and just really uh, kind of not showing off or anything like that. Um, and the, and the look of the film in its in the, the color palette kind of reflects that. Um, it's uh, very muted, um, not Particularly exciting to look at, frankly. It's grey,
1: earthy, white, wintry colours.
0: Yeah. Um, um, and I. So it does feel appropriate, but I think it could look better somehow. It, it felt a little want to
1: me. I want to reserve judgment on that because, you see, we, we went into this film really, I don't know, I didn't mm. even know what we were seeing. Right? No, 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 no. did I. So um, it came as a complete surprise. And I thought the same as you. Um, and then I saw the credits. And, I, you know, so my initial thing was, well, here's a good kind of counterpoint to my way normally of talking about film because I I put so much emphasis on the visual, Mm. right? It's kind of, I think it's very important to the way things work. It's kind of primary to the way that things work, you know, and kind of I always comment on it. And I thought, well, you know, this is a corrective because you can have great films, you know, without kind of visual pyrotechnics or necessarily anything that stands out that Mm. actually... You know character situation and acting by people like you know rachel Weiss is enough right it's i thought it was really great It mm. you know it, it had me moved and it and it didn't i didn't feel manipulated it had me moved about complex things you know so you know you don't have to um you know be, be necessarily kind of visually extraordinary but then i saw the credits and then i realized uh, it was Sebastian Lelo, I think, or Lilo, uh, who was the director of A Fantastic Woman. And I remember watching The Fantastic Woman.
0: Lelio, Seb- Sebastian Lelio. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, thinking very much the same things. And then, and then I wrote a blog post on it. And I just saw the film again. And I saw mm-hmm. it on a computer, which meant that you could go back and forth on images And then I realized that actually it had some extraordinary images, Mm. right? And that I just hadn't noticed. I hadn't paid attention. And then it kind of made me think that, you know, I wonder if that's also the case here. So there are a few things that you notice, right? So the moment where he makes his decision to kind of free his wife, this Mm. is David, that you see him behind a door that kind of...
0: Yeah, it has... uh the the glass is is like it's many lenses. It's I can't think. I don't know what the what the kind of word for the design is, but it's a kind of glass that I've seen in a lot of shules. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a glass that kind of prevents you from seeing what's on the other side. It allows light in, but you can't see the image. Yeah, right. And actually, that's a wonderful metaphor for what happened. And it's it's it splits up the image of him into yeah, many a, many kind of vertical bars. Yes, you get a distorted image, but you see light through mm. it. So. Which I thought was a wonderful metaphor for what was happening, and then it made me wonder: Are there other things that maybe I'm missing? You know, that I wasn't paying attention to. I mean, I don't think the film needs them, right? Mm. I'm just kind of wondering.
0: I I, I think that's that's probably the case, and um, and and you know, seeing it again, it would probably feel more uh, poetic and kind of coherent in that sense. Not that it was not that it was incoherent, but you know, um, it would it would feel like it's um, you feel like you make more sense of the imagery in a way.
1: Yes, or see I mean, more in it I just, um, I just loved it but, you know, um, and I'll need time to process it I mean what I did like
0: as well in fact it's a shot that, that I went from disliking to liking while it was happening is again in the scene on the bimmer when he's um, uh, uh, giving his wife her freedom um, and he he, he he starts to he gets a speech out of his pocket that he was supposed to be making and he realises he can't do it and he starts going off the cuff and um and it's it's very close up and very shallow focus there's quite a few shots in the film of this type um, but this one in particular has him moving around um on the bimmer and and because the focus the depth of field is so shallow he goes in and out of focus quite a lot and the kind of the focus puller is clearly kind of trying to catch up to him as he mm. goes back and forth in in depth so initially it looks almost unprofessional And I didn't like it, but then I, but then actually I kind of thought this. It, it, the shot became really a reflection of his mental state, because that's it's a shot in which he is in emotional turmoil and he's on the fly making a great uh, sort of uh, important and uh, sort of of decision of great magnitude to to him and his life and the people he cares about. Hmm. Um, So actually, like like, and it's and it's it's a long enough take that i went from not liking this and finding it bad looking to really getting it yes some somehow which i got you know which is interesting
1: i loved how so she arrives in london uh and slowly things are revealed you know and obviously the most important is that the person who's died is her father nobody's paying attention to her mm. and actually everybody's hesitant to embrace, so you're not supposed to touch, you're not supposed to embrace. Everything is always kept at a distance. So people hesitantly, and after a pause, say, may you live, may you live a long life. Yeah. But really, even that seems a bit begrudging. And certainly no touching. Every time they go to touch, there's like a, a pulling away, right? And I, I mean, I didn't know if that was like, you know, because it was a woman or because it was a Shiva or because... I mean, I... I, I Personally, don't
0: know exactly. I don't know if there's um, no. I mean, you do touch people, like if, you know, if, if someone's bereaved or whatever, you touch them on the arm, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. So um, it, it is more a personal thing in this sort I think, that they that okay. she has been, as you say, cast out. Yes. And is and
1: no one expected her back. And no one expected her back. So, but actually, there was also a thing where you know she was touching and kissing the women, but mm-hmm. not the men. Yeah, it was like sure, yeah. You know, so I think I wondered if there was something. Anyway. But they're orthodox, I, but they're not
0: ultra-orthodox.
1: Like These aren't the Jews that
0: you see on planes in, in Israel sitting in plastic bags to keep themselves separated from women. So
1: it's not, it's not quite at that level. No, no. But, um, no, I'm, you know, yeah. I kind of... Um, I'm, Those a, bit, guys are I'm a bit familiar. I grew up in a in yeah, Jewish neighbourhood. Yeah. Um, so, but, but anyway, just to say that that introduction makes the embrace of the three at that critical moment, you know, so moving right, because it is an embrace, it is touching, and it's almost unconditional, like, you know, it is. it feels almost like, I don't know, an image of love, yeah, that kind of all of a sudden there's no barriers, there's no society, there's no people watching, there's no witnessing, you know, you can just embrace and kind of bring into the fold, you know, I thought that was so beautiful.
0: That's a good point, but actually I felt that more That was the case, I, I found that very, very moving, but the reason I found it moving was more for the for the for the decision that Dorrid had made yes. and the way he was and so so he was expressing it wordlessly through through inviting Rachel vice into this hug mm. and also and he, and he was already hugging his wife who yes. you know he's kind of he's given her he's made a huge act twice for her so um, it was about his decision that was what moved me as opposed to exactly how it was expressed but what really moved me in terms of physicality was when um uh when the girls first kiss uh-huh. Um, because I did feel kind of keenly that there had been just a, such a such a restriction of of touching. You felt their need to do that, yes. when they did, and actually it was kind of a release for me as an audience member, kind of going like, I kind of like the moment that they kissed. I kind of realized no one's touched anyone in this film. It's, everything's been so restrictive. Everyone's been so isolated. Mm. And, the fa- and, and when they did it, that's when I
1: kind of realized how important it was. Yes anyway. I love the sex scenes, um, and part of the reason why I love the, you know I mean, sex can be many things, and we see it in film, from pornography onwards in many ways. But the thing that you rarely get is, in fact, almost never. You know, and it's a great loss you know, to culture and humanity as a whole, is that you very rarely see sex as feeling. Well, you know, which of course, you know it, it's almost like the most important thing, really. you know And actually, what I thought was so beautiful about this film is that it is just that, right? Like it, it is kind of, you know, it's it's sex as sex, but sex is a conduit to feeling. It kind of it breaks, you know, it opens up all of these things. like you said. You know, there'd been all these barriers to touch. So actually, kind of, you know, that is bridged, and it's bridged not only by desire and by a sexual act of some kind, but actually you can see it's like an overflowing of feeling. Yeah, the kind of now you're in this hotel room and you can let go. Yeah, and express. I wasn't
0: crazy about the sex scene. Don't know why. I, I, this is I th- actually this was some of the stuff that felt kind of banal to me. Is once they had kind of broken that initial barrier and kissed in the in the upstairs room in the dad's house, um, it was followed up by just more kissing every now and again. And you kind of felt okay, so they're they're re-engaging and they're. Um, Kind of rediscovering. Oh, no, I love it. But that felt banal to me. No. And oh, then God. they got into their tournament and it felt more no, banal. No, 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 no. No, I just, I just <laughs> uh, that's the way I felt about I it. Thought, I felt, it. I felt thought. It felt inexpressive
1: to no, me. No, I thought it was the opposite. Because I thought it was like about the messiness of feeling. So, you know, they'd obviously had an affair. She's cast out. It's very tentative. It's very dangerous. One doesn't know how the other is feeling. Like, you know, there's, you know, are you doing this for the past? I mean, what position are you putting me in? Like, there's all these hes- hesitancies and awkwardnesses and messiness, which is what happens when you, when you, when you have feelings for somebody but you don't know how they feel about you, and you're also in an awkward situation and kind of you don't know what the score is or and you don't have a map of where this thing is going to go. So actually, I thought all of those moments to me were beautiful.
0: I think I'd like it more the second viewing, knowing everything that I know now, because. Um, Part of I think what I didn't like about it is that uh, for me it came out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't anticipate and I didn't pick up or anything like that. That um, that these two were um, uh, hot for each other, if you mm. like, whatever. You know, emotion, sort of in love and whatever. Um, so when so when they kissed, as I say, I mean, I did feel that kind of that, that, that physical connection was important. But um, but I did kind of roll my eyes a little bit. When they first kissed, I went, "Oh, right, so that's what it is, is it?" Um, and part of the problem for me was that uh, for much of the opening of the film, in fact, for probably probably up until that point, probably up until they kiss, mm. the storytelling is um, elliptical to the point of absurdity, where it's people talking about people that you don't know, people, people, people. I mean, people speaking realistically to each other. Um, like not using names when they already know who they're talking about but for the audience hmm. you don't know and it's and, it, and so there is th- there is stuff being withheld from the audience there is this whole thing about well you left you know and they obviously all know why she left and they obviously all know what this history is but you don't and it is being withheld from the audience to a point yes. where it's distracting
1: oh I didn't find it distracting I thought it was interesting
0: no I found it deeply distracting and at point I was thinking get on with it tell me the fucking story now you know stop s- stop hiding it yeah, um, so that was an issue, and and I, it did mean that when it got to uh, their physical connection, and then they started kissing all over the place, and then it got to the sex scene. Um, I was kind of thinking, okay, so it, it, I, I had I had little context for it, and it was only it was only as the film further developed later on that you kind of. Uh, began to learn and appreciate the depth of their love for each other and then the depth and the complexity of what this meant for their lives now. That's when it kind of emotionally developed for me. Up until then, I found it very dissatisfying.
1: Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't. I kind of, I, you know, I was enjoying all of, all of those elements, really. Mm. Um, for I kind me, it's of, a film that improved very much later on as I started to understand the characters better. No, for me, kind of, it started off great and then it continued. Even even though, um, I I, I don't know what I expected, but maybe, you know, visual pyrotechnics or something. I mean, I suppose I wanted like striking images or whatever. And actually kind of the images. So for example, there was that moment where they kiss and, you know, they go revisit the places they love as teenagers and they end up under a tree where they first kissed, mm. and you think fucking hell why didn't they make this a more you know wow moment or a more dazzling moment yeah like it's just mm. a long shot of this wintry landscape and you know it's it it doesn't mm. seem to have much going for it right and then you realize like you know that the tree is like this white cedar you know mm. or yeah like it's, it's it's white it's wintry the branches are empty you know, kind of, it's in the middle of nowhere, it's like, Mm. you know, it feels like an industrial state in a field in an industrial state or something, right? It's in a park. Yeah, and and then it becomes kind of very evocative and moving and about kind of, you know, their connection amidst this, you know, the fact that kind of, you know, they haven't had this for a while and that it's something that's kind of lost and you don't know whether it's recoverable. Um... I it, that, I really that shot
0: for it. me became evocative when she returned to it. When, when you are led to believe or given clues that Rachel McAdams is going to kill herself because uh, Rachel Vice is moving back to New York yes. and abandoning her, um, then th- there is this search. Dovid and uh, Rachel Vice's character go searching for Rachel McAdams. They don't know where she is, and one of the places that Rachel Weiss returns to is that tree, mm. and it's and it's there's, it's this thing of, you know, returning to the place wh- that would have, that would mean something to mm. you. Know. That's when that shot kind of became evocative to me was, with that context of having been there the first time. Mm. Um, but the shot itself is, yeah, just a nicely framed shot of a tree. I, um, <laughs> well, I mean, this
1: is the question. Is it you know when is a nicely uh, framed shot of a tree only a nicely yeah, framed yeah. shot of a tree, right? Yeah. Uh, what kind of tree is it? You know, kind of. What's the light on it? Like, you know, I was. What's the composition? Anyway, it's I. It's possible to overdo it, overanalyze it. I think. Well, I kind of. Anyway, I felt it as as yeah. it was going, um, but let's move on to different things because I think, you know, um, there were other things that I just found really moving in ways also that I can't understand. First is um, the diegetic music. Let's say right, like. You know so you know all these Jewish men singing whatever songs they're singing singing in a choir I found it so moving they're wow. brilliant um, and you
0: should go to, you should come to the synagogue at some point because um, there's nothing quite like a Jewish choir I mean religious singing in 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 all its forms is amazing you know you hear kind of you you, you hear obviously these amazing choirs you get in cathedrals and churches where the, the architecture you kind of um, mm. changes the sound and just makes it huge and um, and and you uh you get kind of um in islam again a beautiful beautiful singing kind of one note that will just ring out over yes, the I've, whole the experiences of, of all of them you yeah. know so it's it's and you can totally see how um you know as a as a non-religious person you can totally see how people just uh fall in for it sure? know, it's, it's amazing to hear yeah. and it's the same with with jewish music but but with with the with the choral singing there's a mel- melancholy that goes underneath all of it these male voices it, there's a style to it you know these men all, always sound the same and I don't mean they sound like each other but I, just, I mean that the music has a style yeah. to it um, and there's a tone and I can't really explain it that much, but you definitely go on YouTube and like, look up some Jewish chor- uh, choir stuff because it's amazing to listen to and, and it's the it very, it very often start off with one with the lead uh, singer starting off the song and then all the other voices will come in providing this kind of bed that the song sits in and it's it's often so sort of melancholy
1: and sad sad well actually there are like shifts in notes yes you know where you get taken almost like you know into a valley of despair and then suffering and then like death and like you know kind of every shift in notes is like I don't know, it it just evoked this whole world of sadness and pain, you know, it was just very Mm. beautiful. And not
0: understanding Uh, the lyrics, I think, kind of is part of that. I think, not that, you know, um, not the lyrics would ruin it, but, like, the fact that it's essentially gibberish, and it it just means it registers on a purely emotional, evocative, musical level, for me at
1: least. I found that incredibly beautiful
0: in the way that listening to hymns you know the, the chords are lovely and the voices are amazing and the, and the way that a church will
1: change the music is amazing but the words are stupid <laughs> well <laughs> yeah I don't know enough about that I've, I have never have found them so in fact I'm always I'm also very moved by um, hmm. uh, you know Christian church music yeah but the words um, are silly but well, they can be, but they're not necessarily. <laughs> That's what I mean. And uh, and, and in Hebrew, uh,
0: in Hebrew, if you understood Hebrew, the words would probably be very silly too. Mm-hmm. Um, but not understanding Hebrew means that that kind of it's rather like when um, when Mel Gibson made The Passion of the Christ, and he made the decision to do it all in Aramaic, which is such a good decision because if you have this kind of torture porn Jesus movie, but then you've got <laughs> torture porn Jesus. This is what it, no, it is. What it is. But I then have, have. you have but then you have the character saying an oh ye of blah blah blah. You know, it would sound very silly. You know.
1: Yeah. Um let's go back because I think there's two things that we haven't highlighted enough. Yep. One is that it's a film about lesbian desire. Yep. Right? It's you know, it's at the heart of it and the restrictions that are placed on it uh you know by communities and also the fact how these these restrictions are kind of imbibed so you have the feeling that it's actually a choice you've made to live within this world, and then kind of it's revealed that actually that's not quite a choice; that another other choices can be made. So, um, and yet, you know what's really beautiful about this film, I think, is that the choice is a complex one, right? So the Rachel Weiss characters offers Rachel McAdams to go with her to New York, basically. Uh, And Rachel McAdams' character refuses. So, you know, she chooses her freedom in a a way, in the most difficult of circumstances, but in a loving way, Mm. right? So, you know, she continues to live with her husband. We don't know what's going to happen. They might raise a child together. You know, they might continue as a couple, like, yeah, in Mm. spite of, you know, the fact that it's very clearly articulated that her desires are lesbian desires. She loves women. You know, and men don't have do not do the same thing for her. Uh, whereas with the Rachel Weiss character, it's left more ambivalent, yeah. Mm. You know, her affairs seem to be primarily with men. Okay. Um, so, you know, the fact that kind of these choices are made, you know, and that life is not just about sex, that it's full of a whole other host of complicating factors, and that both of these women acknowledge, and that also kind of, you know, they acknowledge that... Whilst there never being in any doubt about the depth of the love they feel for each other. Mm. I found it really beautiful and moving.
0: Yeah. Um do you feel an element of cliche at the end when Rachel McAdams chases down the cab? This is something that to actually go really, to her, No I
1: well this is, this is something that actually really works. I, worked I for thought me. I thought it could have been a cliche if she had run after Rachel McAdams. But I didn't find it a cliche but what she wanted was a picture of her father's tomb. Because her father had been the, her oppressor in a way, right? And But also, you know, an oppression laced with love. I mean, she wanted, her reason for coming back is, you know, she wanted to do the honorable thing for her father. And her, her question was, did her father realize that she loved him? Not that, did my father love me? It's a radically different question, right? So for her to run back to take that photo w- was, I thought it was going to be a cliche and it ended up being surprising. Is I that-
0: didn't like it very much, that, that, the photo bit at the end. And, and when she says goodbye dad, Ugh. Um, <laughs> I, thought, I thought, nah, stayed. I mean, I thought it was a banality to me right at the start that she's a photographer. I just thought this is going to be some sort of artsy, it's gonna, I'm not going to But enjoy it wasn't. It. I'm not going to enjoy the fact that she's a photographer. That's going to come back so in some... So many prejudices. I thought, I thought it's going to come back in some fucking Michael way. Michael Glass. So many prejudices. Yeah.
1: But I, and I was,
0: I, was, I was right, you know. He came back in, in the most banal way possible. And she said, you know, it makes me sad that I never took a photo of my dad. And he, right at the end, she takes one of his grave. Ugh. Um, but, but what... No, I didn't like it. But what worked for me, what worked for me was, was just before that, when she's driving off in the cab to get her flight... And Rachel McAdams chases her down. And, um, you know, like that that has cliche all over it, right? Mm. You know, the, the like the you know, chasing down the train that's leaving or whatever. Or, or um, you know, the whole, like, was it in Friends when the, he runs onto the plane to get her? Or whatever it might be. You know, chasing down the, the yeah, person yeah, yeah, that you yeah, love yeah. at the last minute type of thing, right? Um, uh, th- that's exactly what this film is doing. Um, uh. Fair but it really works me and what and then what I like is that yeah obviously it becomes it doesn't become and we're going to be together once mm. I chased you down it becomes... it it just becomes a kind of a final honest um sort of uh, embrace between the two of them and and this promise to keep in touch and it, and what really moved me was Rachel vice saying you're going to be a brilliant mother yes you know like this kind of new thing that's that in your life that's entirely you mm. Um, the, you know, I'm so proud of you type of thing I really
1: really loved it It's kind of there's, so it's a finality between them but. well but it's not a finality because it's also an assurance of love mm. but not the love that they or you expected you know yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like these women who are going to be who are going to love each other their whole lives but they're not going to be lovers you know mm. and I thought that was lovely and then actually so there's that moment which you think is going to turn out into a cliche but doesn't and then the other moment, where, which is where you think, oh, Rachel Weisz has changed her mind and is going to chase after her now. And in fact, she ends up going to the father. I know, I didn't think that at I th- all. I thought those two things were a surprise to me. I
0: thought that, the, I thought that once, um, once that embrace was over and Rachel McCann went back to the house and the cab drove off, when she says, can we take a detour, it didn't occur to me at all that she might be going back again. So where do you think she was going? Well, I didn't know, but I didn't. It just didn't occur to me that that she might go back to the house, and then obviously very quickly you discovered she's gone to the grave, uh, gone to the cemetery. So um, it was quite clear. But it, it didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't scared of like another like a cliche on top of a cliche, right. as it were. Okay, um, as you uh, might have been. Um, um, it made me think of "Call Me by Your Name." Uh, I thought it might in the combination of uh, of Jewishness and and uh, a gay sort of love story. Um, it's interesting because like the by your name was primarily uh, a, a story about these two uh, gay boys, yeah kind of and Jewishness is uh flavors the whole thing, yes. and this is kind of the other way around to yes. an extent. Um, uh it, it certainly starts off as a very Jewish story, and you are embedded in Jewish culture, and actually, what I really love is that the film kind of makes no apology for anything or makes no attempt to explain anything. You are in this world where these people just behave in a slightly different way to to where you to where you're used to English people behaving.
1: Yes. I'm glad you mentioned Call Me By Your Name because you know what a fan I was of it really, particularly like the last shots and so on. But actually, I think to me it's a, a different Oh yeah. um category than this film. I think this is much the greater film. You yeah. know, in comparison to Call Me By Your Name. I do. I think it kind of it, it, it makes everything so much more complex, um, and moving, you know, and things that have kind of ramifications, really, you know, that kind of reverberate throughout the film, uh, much more so than than. Mm. Um, but also, what you name.
0: say, also what you say about um, at the end of this film. Um, you know, it's very clear that these two, although they're not going to be together uh, in a relationship, are nonetheless going to love each other very deeply throughout the rest of their lives. Yes. It's, it's completely... It's like you, you see that in something very similar uh, at the end of Call Me By Your Name, with Elio sat by the fire. The difference is it's not reciprocated, that, the, or at least it doesn't appear to be.
1: Yeah, no, what you get in "Calling By Your Name is, you know, that... Um, he will always love Army Hammer's character yes and that that has been an incredibly significant uh, marking demarcating point in his life and that now he will be alone (laughs) you know whereas actually this has a much more complex idea a much more inclusive idea of love in this film there are many types of love right Um, and they're not exclusive to each other you know kind of you can you can have a good man and not fancy him, you know, and actually you can have sex and love that good man and not necessarily fancy him, you know, and likewise you can be lifelong loves, you know, with a woman who lives in another continent and not want to be in a relationship with them or, or not choose to end up being in a relationship with them. You mm-hmm. might want but not choose. And actually, so all of these gradations of choice, of difference, of yeah complications to life that you know um disobedience brings out in a very very beautiful way, whereas actually uh calling me by your name simplifies them yeah and
0: it's a tragic ending
1: in Me by your name essentially mm. mournful um
0: and and you know the the differences in this that uh, like i say that the similarity i'm picking up on is is the idea that this love is is lifelong mm um, but, uh, but as I say, yeah, obviously the difference is that in the one film it's mournful, and this there's a kind of celebratory aspect to it. There's a kind of there's an openness and an honesty to it at the end well, it's that specifical. there hasn't that there hasn't been throughout. Well, it, but I'm also including uh, the husband in that as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, it, there's an honesty because uh, what's also interesting is that you know, it clear it's it stated that the three of them were best friends when they were kids. It's not yes. just it wasn't just the two girls. Yeah, they were they were three good friends when they were kids. And then the thing was when uh, Rachel Vice left. Uh, and she kind of Rachel McCann was sort of talked into uh, marrying him. Part of the part of the reasoning was he's your best friend. Yes. you know. Um, so it's not just he's some but guy who's good in the community. They're very close, and so that that the relationship, the kind of love triangle, if you like, has has well, it, become film, open, become honest. The film
1: bursts that love triangle in the sense that you know they're not at the end of the film. They're no longer in competition with each other. They're a part of each other. Yeah, you know. So. So there's no triangle, there's just a, a kind of, you know, a unit feeling which kind of feels slightly different about, e- you know, every aspect, right? Mm. But what's not at stake is the fact that they are real feelings, and a depth of feeling for each other, yeah, for yeah. all three of them together. Which I think, I mean, you know, it's so much more complicated and interesting mm. and it feels truer to life. And also things that make you think about life, you know... Um, than then Call Me by Your Name, which
0: yeah, and, I think it's a, feeling a greater and film. And there's a feeling of just kind of like something like maybe you can just love who you love, and it doesn't and and kind of demarcations of being gay or being straight or whatever aren't actually enormously important. Like it's, it's interesting to me actually that um, I felt when when the two women make love in the hotel room, um, it occurred to me, kind of, you know, Rachel McAllen is cheating on her husband. Which she is, but it doesn't feel like it. no, doesn't feel like it. it she's, like ex- she's rediscovering and rekindling her love with Rachel Weiss. but it doesn't feel like a betrayal of her husband. No right
1: It's all. an explosion of feeling is what it is, really. Um, and actually, what I also found very beautiful, you know and I can, again, this is why I think the film is so great because it is so so perceptive and attuned about the complexities of life. Because, you know, at the moment where in the synagogue he gives her his freedom and he walks out and he's all by himself and she chases after him to comfort him, right? So, you know, I mean, that's a whole other kind of love and it's very real and it's very heartfelt and it has depth, right? Her first impulse is to comfort him, not to go after her right like you know there are real yeah i kind of i think all of those gradations of feeling and different types of love and you know how they intermesh and they don't necessarily contradict and you know and so on all of that i think is very very beautiful in the film i think
0: what's moving to me about the two women is that they they're able to gain something that um that had been uh, kept from them or, or they were they were restricted from mm. having but what's moving about the husband, is he he learns a certain degree of humility. I think, oh, like I, I, I think yes. there is. It's not that he's arrogant, but there is a kind of air apparent thing going on with him. There's where a he's, certainty about his life. Right, he's going to be the next rabbi. Yeah, and, and there's that meeting where um, he's offered the position, or, or, or kind of informally offered the position by uh, a kind of group of. Uh, mm. Elder, sort of Jewish uh, pillars of the community in a back room, and it has that feeling of like a back room deal. Well, he
1: says I keep my house in order, right? So
0: it has this feeling of like a like a high political back room deal thing, you know, that like we that uh, the the machinations of the um, of the the upper echelons of society, right? Like an Illuminati. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has that feeling to it, and. Um, uh, so as you say, yeah, there's a certainty about his life, and it's not that he's arrogant, but he's definitely he's got things sorted out, and he's and he clearly it's very very clear by the end of the film that he has known all along that his wife doesn't love him, not romantic, not in that way, yeah, right, and doesn't that, desire him, doesn't desire him, and and that when they go through the motions on a Friday night, you know, I mean, there's this, there's uh, Rachel Vice asks her, you know, do you see with each other on Friday night, and it's just the suggestion of it's um. It's uh, kind of culturally expected that you do so, which yes. I thought, I mean, I didn't know that. Maybe I should be Jewish. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but like, and, and it has that, again, this was actually when I first saw it because I didn't have the context. This was a banality that, she, that you see her in this loveless sex scene with her husband. Mm. You know, I thought, oh, gosh, I've you seen know, like, like Shake of Water or whatever you want to mention. The woman just not having fun while she's having sex, sort of thing, mm. st- stuck in a loveless marriage. At the time, was a banality, and then the context changes. Yes, it becomes very um, different. Yeah. Um, but the so you know uh, not to lay the point, but that that's kind of what I like about what the husband, what happens to the husband is that he he just he learns a little bit of humility and he learns some uh, honesty with. It. He, he's actually honest with himself as much as anyone else. He's honest with himself that his wife doesn't desire him.
1: I think it's lovely and evolved. Yeah. And and generous children. actually I, I think it's an, I think he's an amazing character uh, and and very much the equal of um, the Rachel McAdams and and, and uh, Rachel Weisz character mm. though I think above all you know and and I don't think it's just my prejudice I just think she's extraordinary I really do Rachel Weisz yeah I do mm. I think have you, you seen know, The Fountain no, what is that?
0: Oh we should watch it. It's Darren Aronofsky. Um no. it's it's a, it's um it's mad. And it's sort of his two thousand and one or or whatever kind of mad sort of time travelling sci fi huge epic mm. picture about ideas you care to mention. And um I I loved it from the moment I saw it. Um we should watch it at some point. And it's got racial vices. I think it's when they were married. Okay. Um so she was she was kind of his muse at the at the time. And then it yeah. became Jennifer Lawrence needed mother. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, it, whoever he's going out with, he makes a mad film about it.
1: Let's, let's anyway. wrap this up. Cause I think we've been going on for a while. I just think this is a truly great film in ways that, that surprised me and also kind of challenge the way that I normally look about at, at films uh, because in some ways it's very simple or it feels very simple uh and you know kind of as the film unfolds you get kind of a layering of all of these complications that make it to me both really rich and very deeply moving
0: yeah i think i um would definitely like more the second time I, those reservations that i have about the about what i felt with banalities and and even poor writing at times um are absolutely true and I felt them but I, but I would feel them less on a second viewing because I think knowing how things transpire uh, informs everything, recontextualizes a lot of what you see right. um, and, and would improve it um, and I'm, I would probably find it more moving but I did find it moving right. you know. So, so as I say I, I think for me it improved but part of the reason it improved was because I learned more and, once, and, and the more I understood about it the more it was clear to me how complex these people were and how interesting the story was and, and how moving mm. it is. No. Yeah. Okay. And I love how seriously it kind of takes Jewish culture and, and, and portrays it. And like I say, I like the fact that it's unapologetic about... It's, it's, I remember what people said about The Wire, that mm. like you have to watch The Wire for at least six or seven episodes to understand even what they're saying because it just embeds you in the world of the kind of slang yes. of, that, of that environment. Um, this has that feeling to it. It's not inaccessible, but... If you don't understand very much about a uh, kind of jewish life or, or jewish uh, you know, traditions and customs um you it, it'll probably take you a, a, a bit to to pick up on it mm. um and but I like the fact that it's um it doesn't it doesn't sort of doesn't dumb anything down it doesn't and it shows complete respect for the culture that it's building on
1: and aside from that there is the relationship between macadams and vice. And there is Vice's face, which I just really do think that it conveys kind of, you know, both the kind of the wisdom and also the sorrow, you know, about what it is to be human. I mean, you know, and, and, and particularly does so in this film, really. So go see it. It's very,
0: very good. And um, yeah, so we're eavesdropping dropping at the movies. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube. Uh, on social media we're on Facebook and Twitter at eavesdropmovies and eavesdroppingatmovies.com is the website cheerio
1: bye bye